Well, God will deliver indeed. So says the psalmist in Psalm 54. The psalmist who's experiencing this dire situation, and yet in faith he expresses his confidence that God is going to deliver him. And that's in God's nature. God is the one who delivers. And yet that deliverance takes on many different forms. It doesn't mean that we will always defeat the disease, or that we'll always get into the school that we want to, or that we'll get that promotion. But what it does mean is that, especially when we read the Apostle Paul, deliverance is less about present circumstances and more about the fact that deliverance has already happened in Christ, at the cross and at the empty tomb. And because of Christ, we have the opportunity for new life in His name. Which brings us to our theme this year, the theme of renew or renewal. We're challenging the church this year in 2020 to think of four different areas, to, to be attentive to four different areas where God is moving among us with the theme of renew. We want to think about the theme of encountering God on God's terms and not our own in 2020. We want to think about and pay attention to the theme of belonging and serving and growing. And this morning, we're going to focus on that third one, the theme of serve. And I want to begin this morning by honing in on the passage that Donovan read from Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, and this idea of offering our bodies as living sacrifices. And just to, to think for a moment what that means. What does that look like in concrete terms? And and this idea of not conforming to the pattern of this world. Well, what are the patterns of this world? Patterns of self-centeredness, self-absorption, self-preservation. When we think about it, these patterns are deadly to our souls. They rot us from the inside out. But the gospel, the good news, is about spiritual transformation. It's about renewing our way of thinking, renewing the way that we see the world. And this transformation by God's design happens, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It doesn't happen apart from community. God has graced us, He's blessed us with the church. And it's in the church where we learn to love. We learn to love God and we learn to love one another. And God's Spirit has graced the church. God's Spirit has graced the community here with gifts. And there are a list of the different gifts that God gives the church in Paul's letters. And one of those lists is in Romans chapter 12, the passage that Donovan started to read. And one of those gifts that's listed is the gift of service. If you have the gift of service, then serve. Paul says. And when I look around here at Brentwood Oaks, I look out here, I see people woven into this family who are especially graced in the gift of service. Now, these are the folks that can see a situation and they know something has to be done. They know what needs to be done and they know how to do this. And in many ways, those who serve, those who serve behind the scenes are the glue that keeps a church going, keeps a church running 
smoothly, and we are blessed by those who have this grace. But as we'll see in our sermon text this morning in the Gospel of Mark, every single person in this room is called to serve. So we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Mark 10, beginning in verse 32. This passage is at the end of a long section, percentage-wise, in the Gospel of Mark. It's a section that begins all the way back in chapter 8 with the healing of a blind man. And it's a section that ends in chapter 10 with another healing of a blind man. And so you have, in between these two uh, healing stories, you have this journey of Jesus from Galilee to Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, he's on his way to a cross. And on his way to the cross, he's training his disciples, and he gives them some very sobering words. It's, it's in this section in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus predicts his death three times. And we're going to pick up on that third prediction here in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 32, and also hear the response of the disciples to this prediction, which is somewhat surprising And in many ways, if we've been keeping up with the attitude of the disciples, it's not surprising at all. So let's hear the word of God from Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, because you always go up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be Slave of all, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. May God bless the reading of his word. So I want to invite us to do a little exercise here. I want us to think through a skill in your life that you have mastered. What is a skill that you've mastered? It could be as simple as riding a bike, playing an instrument. Uh, Maybe it's something at work, a skill that you've mastered there. What did it take for you to master this skill? How many hours did it take you? It's been estimated that true masters of their craft takes about 10,000 hours of learning, training, and practice. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it does get you to think, well, what are those things that we, have, we work toward? What are those, those things we train ourselves in? What are those things that become second nature to us? Uh, there's a book that I've mentioned before called You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith. And I think it's very helpful in many ways, but he spends a lot of time talking about the power of habit and the power of the subconscious and the power of what he calls second nature. And he gives an example of driving. And he compares two different types of drivers. There are the teenagers who are just learning to drive. Maybe they're working on getting their license. And then there are seasoned drivers. And I'm trying to think back of what that was like whenever I got my license. It was about 25 years ago. Uh, Some of you may be doing the math there. I remember what that's like, actually. You are conscious, you're conscious of every little decision, every little thing about a car. You have to think about it. Hand at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock, check your blind spots, make sure you get the right blinker going, apply the right pressure to the brakes, all those things, checking your mirror every 5 to 10 seconds, whatever it may be, and about 100 other little things. Contrast that with the seasoned driver, and I don't know if this has happened to you or not, but there have been times when something happened to me, maybe here at the church office, and I'm thinking through uh, what, what went through, what just happened. I'm replaying it in my mind, and I get in my car, and the next thing I know, I'm in my driveway, and I have no idea how I got there. Has that ever happened to you? Your brain goes into automatic pilot, the subconscious starts to take over. I, I drive a stick shift, and I, I can't even remember the last time I actually had to think, okay, I'm in first gear now, now I'm in second gear, make sure I don't stall out. I never, you don't have to think about it because it becomes, it becomes second nature. Well, I bring all this up because in thinking about renewal, it's important to think through habits. It's important to think about routines and patterns. I think it's also important to actually visit the subconscious and to think about those things which are second nature because not all habits are good habits. Not all patterns of thinking are healthy and we can get caught up in these things if we're not careful. And we see that in our sermon passage this morning with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, as Jesus calls them. Let's think about that request for just a moment. Jesus had just predicted his death three times, and the gall of James and John to ask such a request of Jesus, it boggles the mind. 
But at the same time, we recognize that pattern of thinking. It is the way a fallen world operates. It is humanity's reflexive response to try to cut first in line or to seek power or to take advantage of windows of opportunity for advancement or or to grab a hold of a, a position of status and hold on to it with everything that we have. And when we look at that request of James and John, to put it nicely, that is extremely presumptuous. Now, James and John, they know what's going on, or at least they think they know what's going on. They have been with Jesus. They have witnessed his power. And to their credit, they believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is the one. Jesus is the Messiah of promise, and Jesus is on his way up to Jerusalem, and he is about to take his place to sit at the throne. And so as they're approaching Jerusalem, they see a moment of opportunity, and they just throw it out there. Grant us, Jesus, forget these other guys, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand. Incidentally, that language is used again in the Gospel of Mark at the crucifixion. When Jesus is raised up on the cross, there are two criminals, one at the right hand of Jesus and one at the left hand of Jesus. And I can't help but think that an inspired Mark is telling us that the throne of Jesus is a cross. And James and John have no idea what they're asking at this moment. And we see it tearing the disciples apart. I mean, look at what happened. We, we experience this. We experience this when we're on I-35 and someone cuts in line. Someone cuts in front of us. My blood starts to boil. I get angry. Except when I do it. We see how this plays out in the disciples. James and John cut in line, and the ugliness comes out in the group, anger, resentment. I think if Jesus doesn't intervene, there may have been some violence even. This is the pattern of a fallen world. Pride, revenge, these are the ingredients of a cycle that we see over and over again. We see it in our own lives as individuals. We see it in our families. We see it in our nation. The back and forth. This ugly episode with James and John is a good picture of what is second nature to human beings, and it is a pattern that has deadly consequences to the soul. And it's a pattern that we are all too familiar with. And so this morning we have the opportunity to take a step out of ourselves and look at those things that might be second nature to us and to really take a hard look at those patterns of thinking, maybe patterns that are unhealthy, patterns of a fallen world that we can get caught up in. Do we find ourselves caught up in a pattern of status-seeking and power plays and one-upmanship, political maneuvering, Posturing, seeking power, maintaining power, exercising power over others. 
Well, maybe it's not those patterns specifically, but perhaps there are some patterns of a fallen world, the way the world operates that we find ourselves getting caught up in, and often that takes another pair of eyes to help us see that. Self-deception is very powerful, and these patterns become second nature to us where we don't even think about it. We go into automatic response, even unhealthy and sinful patterns. And this morning, we have the disciples, who are really good conversation partners for us as we listen in on Jesus and this rebuke of his disciples. And when Jesus sees this escalation, when he sees the anger rising up in the apostles, the disciples, because of this power play of James and John, he uses this episode as a teachable moment, not just for the disciples, but for the church. For his people here at Brentwood Oaks in 2020. What Jesus is addressing here in this chapter is what is second nature to human beings. And he tells his disciples, this is the way the world operates. We see it in toddlers. We see it in adults. We see it in the Gentiles who are in authority and they lord that authority over others. They squash their competition. They think of themselves. And then Jesus says, that is not the way it is with you That's not what I've shown you. That is not what I've taught you. That is not what the kingdom of God is all about. This this kingdom that is invading this world. This new way of living. This new way of thinking. This new way of seeing reality. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Jesus is going right to the heart of the matter and he's doing some unwiring, some rewiring in the disciples, trying to give the disciples a different second nature, a different pattern of thinking. He's calling them to a life of service to others. In a sense, Jesus is decentering his disciples off of their thrones, and that is not natural to us. That is not natural for us to take ourselves out of the center of our own universes and to think about others first. The decentered life of service. And as we read about the disciples throughout their history, it takes time. It takes some time for this rewiring to take place, just like it takes time for all of us. It takes time for all of us to come to a different way of thinking, to rewire our our second natures. Well, I want to close this morning by talking about two things that we do have going on for us from this passage. And as we think about our own lives and our own patterns of thinking... First of all, we have Jesus not only teaching his disciples with words, but with his very life. We see this at the end of this passage, that the central figure of our story, the central theme of our story, the central symbol of our story, right here, the cross is the essence, it is the embodiment of this new way of living This selfless, sacrificial love is woven into the DNA of our faith, even in the symbol of the cross. Jesus, the one in whose image we are being conformed, 
the one who has given us his very spirit, is the one who lived this decentered life to the fullest. He lived it to the max. He's given us an example. He's given us the cross, and I've used this phrase before, but I've grabbed a hold of it, the cross that not only saves us, but shapes us. The cross teaches us a way of life. But the other thing we have going on for us is that habits and patterns can change. And we're seeing this. The sciences are bringing this out of how plastic the brain is. We're, we're seeing this in our own house. The brain can be rewired. New habits, new routines can be formed. And this really falls in line with what Paul said in, the, in our shepherd scripture this morning. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and by God's grace and by God's power within us, we can have new life. We can have a new second nature. Well, what, what would that look like? What would that look like if a church had as their second nature, not the pattern of this world, the self-absorption, the self-preservation, but what if the reflexive response of the church was to automatically, without thinking about it, consider others before ourselves? What if the automatic response of the church, what would that look like if we all live the de-centered life and really focused on building up the body of Christ? Well, in so many ways we see that here at Brentwood Oaks. This church has been graced with service, with love, So, what does the next level look like? What is God calling us to do and be in 2020 with a theme of service? Yes, there are those who are specially graced in service, and God blesses the church through them. But none of us are exempt from abandoning those patterns of thinking of this world. All of us are called to live that cross-shaped and spirit-filled life of love and service in the kingdom of God. So how will we serve in 2020? What is that going to look like? Well, maybe. Maybe there's been a ministry that you've looked at for some time. You've wanted to, to join in with this ministry, but for whatever reason, you've held back. Maybe it's through distraction. Or maybe it's because... We are too busy. Uh, maybe it's a busyness we've brought on ourselves. 2020 may be the year to jump right in, to roll up your sleeves and get busy in the life of this church, in the ministries of this church, and there are many, many ways to get involved. Maybe there's a daily routine, something that you've been thinking about, ah, I wish... You know, it would be good for me to start doing this on a daily basis or a weekly basis. And I don't know what that is. But for whatever reason, you've held off on really making this a part of your, your rhythm in your life. Well, 2020 may be the year to start. What does that look like? Well, the goal is just like driving, just like when we're learning to drive and we're having to make every conscious decision about those little actions of service. The goal is that those little conscious actions 
will turn into the subconscious and that it will be second nature for us to pour ourselves out for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is all possible because of what Jesus has done at the cross, his surrender to the, to the Father at the cross, his outpouring of love for us, his giving us of his spirit and the forgiveness of sins and the power of the empty tomb. That is very much a reality among us. We have the power to be transformed by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, brothers and sisters, is good news. We have the opportunity this morning to respond to that good news. Uh, if you would like to have your brothers and sisters surround you, maybe you've come upon a situation where you, you've come to a point where many of us have been I can't fix this situation. This is beyond me. Well, you have a church family that's ready to walk alongside you. I guarantee you that. If you have come to faith and you would like to be baptized, uh, we can accommodate that this morning. If you've done so and you would like to place membership with us, uh, now is the time to come as we stand and sing the servant song.